We've been on this mission, and, uh, and my, my lovely niece is a grammatical person, and she said, it drove me nuts hearing you say on mission. It should say on a mission. Well, it's on mission, okay? It's the brand. That's what we've done. It's on mission, and we're on mission. And what are we on mission at the summit to do? We are on mission, and we declare that we are on mission to ensure that every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to hear, see, and experience the gospel of the kingdom. We are excited that every day when we wake up, we don't have to worry about what are we doing. We don't have to worry as believers when we wake up, oh, what, what is our goal today? Are we just out to make an extra $500 today or an extra $100? Are we here to work an extra hour in the job? No, we know that we're on mission. We know that we're not just here to exist. There's lots of people on the planet that are here to just exist. They don't have the drive, the, the fortitude, and the call upon their lives to be on mission. So they go about their daily lives just clicking something off the list and, oh, it's good. And I believe we should do that. We should have lists and we should do, do all those things. But we have a greater mission that we're called to. We have a greater mission that we're called to. And, and we're all one body. I was talking with some pastors this week in New Philadelphia, and we pray over a city in our region every morning, every Sunday morning. Um, and today was New Philadelphia, and I think it's interesting that I talked to some of those pastors this week. And they're believing for great things, and they're seeing great things, and they're on mission with us. Their mission looks a little different. Their mission may be a little bit different than ours, but our mission is that every man, woman, and child would see, hear, and experience the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And so that's our mission. We don't have to wake up and look for something different. We don't have to go searching. We know that that's our call. So everything that we do, including the seed that we sow as a body of believers, is based on that fact and based on that mission. That we are going to help people through this. And we know Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know these verses. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Your nation, the nations of the world. See, we categorize I was listening to a great clip this morning of a pastor in Foursquare, a pretty well-known pastor in Foursquare who was in a country overseas that isn't open to the gospel. And he was talking about how when he was there and speaking and all the things that were happening, he fell in love with the people and he realized that if people would know that he was there in that moment, that everybody that was with him would be in prison for three years. They'd be in prison for three years. And, and that he would be deported within 24 hours if they caught what he was saying. But he was there to disciple a nation. That's our mission. That's our call. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Our nations, the nations of the world, should be our students. The nations of the world should be your student. You should be discipling them. And he told us where to go. He didn't say, just stay in Dover. And, and I love technology that we can reach out and touch the world. It's amazing. But he just didn't say stay in Dover. He said go to all nations. He told us exactly where to go. He told us what to do. Make disciples of all nations. And then he said, or what he didn't say, I think speaks louder sometimes than what he said. What he didn't say was that we should stop. I think that we have seen in this country over the last eight, nine months, the mission in some cases stopped. Whether the government said to stop or whatever, the mission, he didn't say to stop. We're called to do it in whatever climate we are in. We are called to press forward. And he told us to 
encounter the Lord and be in his presence. Last week we talked about these encounters that we have with the Holy Spirit. There's two distinct encounters with the Holy Spirit. And that is one, when we actually are born again, that the Spirit lives within us. It comes in us. And I did the demonstration with the water. That you take a drink, the water's in you, but it's not around you. You aren't in it. And then the disciples were told to go and wait. And they waited on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is to surround, immerse, cover over to do all that. So number one, we receive the Holy Spirit through conversion. And, and I think as we move forward, what I want you to take from last week is that you can walk in the Spirit. You can walk with the Spirit in you. But you may not be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that sometimes we can even have the Holy Spirit, but He may not have control of us. And we have to do this together. We cannot do this by ourselves. And I love that the Holy Spirit is here as our helper. He is the person who has come to help us, but I don't think it stops there. We were not created to do this dominion thing alone. This dominion thing was generated for multiple people to engage in together. And so often we see the enemy try to attack our togetherness. We see the enemy try to derail what God has said needs to happen, and that is for us to go together, for us to have dominion together, for us to move and breathe together. When, when Adam was created, it was a race that was created. It was not just a man, it was a race. And he created them. If you turn with me this morning to Genesis 2. Again, my favorite book, I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Genesis 2, we're going to start in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man. Now, that word man means mankind. It doesn't mean Adam. So he took mankind and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Very interesting that we know about creation. We know that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and that that when God spoke, things happened. And in this verse, it says that the Lord God took mankind and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend or cultivate it. To tend it or cultivate it. I know, Greg, I, I drove by and the, the uh, greenhouse is sort of different than it was a few months ago. And you're getting ready to prepare the soil for next year, I'm sure. You're putting things in the, in the garden. You're preparing things for a harvest that you haven't even seen yet in the natural, but you're preparing for a harvest for the future. He is saying in this, in this scripture that he put mankind in the Garden of Eden to tend it or to cultivate it, to prepare it, to make sure that the things that it was created to do would happen. He didn't do that on his own. He took mankind and put him there so that it would be done. And then it says to keep it. What does to keep mean? To guard, maintain, treasure preserve or protect i find it very interesting that god created mankind put mankind in paradise he put mankind in paradise and then he said your job is to cultivate it to make sure that you're preparing it keeping it protecting it making sure that this all would go forward and we know that that didn't happen it happened for a little while, but then it, then it faltered. I'm going to actually go off of the slide, so um, don't, don't worry. We'll come back. 
As I was studying this week, not what I put in there, but what I've studied myself here, I think it's very interesting that the word keep is shamar, to be a watchman, to retain, to celebrate, to preserve, to protect, and to guard it. That is the original call of mankind, not just Adam, but mankind, that we would keep it. We know that when God said this, when God put man there, his purpose was not for us to exist. He put us there on mission. On mission. And we see that later in Scripture, chapter 3, the enemy comes in to derail the mission. To derail what God has put them on the planet for. What God put mankind on the planet for, the enemy wants to come and ruin. Every time. We know through the, the Kingdom Clash series that for everything that God creates, there's a counterfeit that the enemy creates. When God says, go tend and keep the Garden of Eden, paradise, go tend and keep it, there's a counterfeit. There is a counterpunch. There is a, a thing to derail you from your mission. And it, we know clearly what happens. But what I want to lead today with is that when God speaks it, it happens. When God speaks it, it's law. When God speaks, he's committed. You realize the scriptures say that he speaks over you. He sings over you. He's committed to everything that he, he says over you. Every prophetic word that you've heard, you better take it to the bank because it will cash every time. Every time. Verse 16 says this. And the Lord God commanded the man. He spoke. He didn't, it doesn't say Adam. In other scriptures it says Adam. In this one it says the man. And then the Lord God commanded mankind, saying, Every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It says that he commanded mankind with this command, everything you can eat of except for this one thing, and when you eat of it, you will surely die. His word is law. His word happens when he says it. And when he says it, he's committed to seeing it to the end. As I was studying this this week, this scripture just kept raising up in me. It says, you shall surely die. Mankind will surely die when you disobey my commandment. I love that. I love that because that shows me that he's just. That shows me that he is not going to turn back on his word. Now, it means horrible things for mankind without a savior. But it means that he's just. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait, that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. When we sinned as mankind... The only option is death. Death. Now, I love this because it shows me that he loved me before I existed. It shows me that 
he's a man of his word. And when he says, this is going to happen to you, when you receive a word from the Lord, when the Lord spoke in 2007 and 2014 about what's happening right now by a prophet on the earth, Kim Clement, you can take it to the bank. It gives me peace knowing that what he says is going to happen. It gives me peace knowing that he's a man and a God of his word. And that he is justice. He just doesn't perform justice. He is justice. So in that moment he said, mankind will surely die. He was saying, a human must die to restore my kingdom on the earth. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. It says, verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Amen. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. His word will always produce what he sent it forth to do. So the Father, to to hold tight to his word, needed a pure human. Or mankind would be completely and forever lost. He needed a human, a part of mankind, to be slain to redeem mankind and release the Holy Spirit upon the earth. So now I want to I take you back to Genesis. Uh, God breathed into Adam, mankind. He breathed into the race of Adam, the Holy Spirit. When Adam sinned, the Holy Spirit had to leave. The scripture said, I cannot strive with man anymore, I must go, because he can't be contained in a body that is unpure. And so the Holy Spirit had to leave. And then we can look through the Old Testament, which is always pointing to Jesus. Why? Because that's the only hope. The only hope is that there's a pure human who's going to come to take for the sin of the world upon himself and he needed a body to be legal on the earth if you go back to genesis we see that satan was no he had no authority upon the earth until he commandeered a snake why because psalm 115 says this 115 15 and 16 may you be blessed by the lord who made heaven and earth the heaven even the heavens are the lord's but the earth he has given to the children of men he wasn't going to step over that line until the time was right but satan needed a body to become legal on the earth well he was illegally legal upon the earth so he commandeered the snake's body and he became legal for a moment and deceived eve And we know what all that did to mankind. So God, to be living inside of Psalm 115, 16, had to have a body upon the earth. Thank the Lord that the Holy Spirit was moving upon the earth. That the Holy Spirit moved on Eve. 
and that the Holy Spirit moved in Adam before the foundation of the world. I hear this statement a lot. God's mad. God's mad at me. We were talking this week as a team, and sometimes we hear that from people. Revelation 13, 7 through 9 talks about that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He loved you before you ever existed. He loved you before the world was created. He loved you enough to send his son to die before the foundation of the world for you. There's no way that we can say that God is mad at us or doesn't love us. He's bound by his word. So knowing that he's bound by his word, that the Holy Spirit was breathed into Adam, and he says, your job is to go tend and keep this. At some point, the Holy Spirit had to be breathed back into man. And we read about that last week. Why? Because we're not supposed to do this alone. We're not supposed to do this without the Holy Spirit, of course. We're not supposed to do this without the power that comes from being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we're still not able to do this alone. Read with me in Genesis 2, verse 15 through 20. Let's go to verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Even though Adam already had the Holy Spirit in him, God says it's not good for you to be alone. There is a problem in the church today, and it's systemic, and I've heard it for years, and that is that we want to make church about services and not about our call and our mission, and that is to make disciples. This room, if we were actually on mission to make disciples, would never look this way another week. It would never look this way because you and you and you and you and you and you and you would be out making disciples and that disciple would be sitting next to you next week. We know that sheep beget sheep. And the only way that that happens is with the model of discipleship that Jesus showed us. He said in his word that we were called to have dominion. We were called to cultivate. We were called to keep. We're called to do that with people. We're called to do that beside one another. The loneliest place in the world is to be in a process of trying to follow God with no one else and to be alone. You're very easy to be picked off, distracted, miss your mission. And he says to Adam, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God spoke this Yet Adam still continued on his mission. Let's continue reading. Verse 19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed the beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But Adam, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Adam continued on the mission even though he didn't have the helper. He didn't have someone, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit because he had the Holy Spirit in him. He didn't have a person doing life together with him to go forward. But he was still doing the mission. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for 35, 40, 50 years, two months. 
and you've been asking the Lord, I can't do this alone. I want someone to help. I'm telling you that he has created someone to walk with you, to be with you through this, through this experience with the Lord. And it may be a spouse. It may not even be your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe, maybe it's a person at work that you get to help discover things with. All of that to say that we were not meant to do this alone. And the reason why churches all around the world are empty is not because of COVID. It's not because of a governor extending unlawful rules that violate the Constitution. It's because the church has not taken its mission seriously that we're here to make disciples. And that's why we have people say, God must be mad. God must be having judgment on the earth. I want to take you to another scripture. We're just going to hang out in a bunch of scriptures today. Luke 2. Turn with me to Luke 2. We're going to start in verse 39. Verse 39. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. This is Jesus' family. Went to to the temple. And uh, now they're going to return to Nazareth. And... They're returning to Galilee and to Nazareth. And the child grew, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days and they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. You know this scripture. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, you, your father and I have sought for you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I ask you this morning, what is the father's business for you? What is it? He knew it at 12. He knew what was, he, he knew it, but he was restrained in a body. He said, I'm coming to earth to live a, a sinless life. I'm going to be in a body. I'm going to give up my divinity and I'm going to learn. I'm going to find out who I am. I, I love that in the scripture, in this meeting with them, he was learning more about who he was. The Holy Spirit was with him. It says that he had the Holy Spirit without measure, but he was still learning in his human mind who he was. And in scripture, as we read over and over, and it's been preached millions and millions of times, the mission, the commission that we're all called to, make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. And yet, we are okay to hang out in our church buildings and to enjoy a good word and some great worship. And did not have anything to show for it in 2020 and 2021 and 2020. Turn with me to Mark 1. 
For we know that the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, that he had it without measure. Mark 1 verse 9 says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came to Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I find it very interesting that the Father spoke to the Son. He didn't speak to everybody watching. There are some of you today that have been waiting for a word from God from somebody else. And the Father's trying to talk to you and tell you who you are. You've been waiting to hear a prophet on the TV call you out. You've been waiting to hear somebody in the church to pray over you. You've been waiting to hear that there's something that someone on the earth has to say about you. And Jesus was in the most intimate time that he had with the Father. In that moment, the Holy Spirit was coming upon him. And he didn't say to all the people watching, this is my son. It's not what it says. It says he spoke directly to him. You are my son. You are my son. The reason why the church has been ineffective in some areas in, in the world is because we don't hear the father when he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. How can you be on mission? How could Jesus be on mission if he didn't have those words? I wonder how many times he was in the, in the garden and he was praying and he repeated those words. No, father, you said that I'm your son. You said that I'm your son. I wonder how many times when he was talking with the disciples that he recounted that fact that the Father spoke directly to him. The Father is speaking to you this morning. Holy Spirit is moving in this room, in your space of, of watching this. Holy Spirit is moving and trying to tell you. He's been trying to tell you for years, decades, months, whatever it is, he's been trying to tell you that you're his. The reason why we don't attain the mission that God has called us to do, whether it be discipleship or whatever, the reason why we don't attain it is because we haven't sat long enough to hear what the Father has to say about who we are. We try to wait for the world to find out who we are because God's going to download on the world of Dover that we're a spirit-filled church. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Probably they'll find out because you're out there speaking in tongues and praying for the sick and seeing them recover. Not because God's out there just trumpeting it around the city. We have to come to the understanding that he's spoken to us personally. That he's given us the mission personally. That he's given us dreams that help us get to our mission. And that he's given us people in our lives to help us get there. But there's a reverse to that coin. And that is that not only does he give us people to help us get there, but you're required to help other people get there. You see, we forget that part. We forget that, that we're just supposed to go on mission. We're supposed to name all the animals. We're supposed to do all this stuff. And oftentimes, we walk right past those people who we're supposed to help get to where God has called them to be on mission. We can sit in our warm buildings on a cold morning and completely miss our identity in Christ because we're not listening to the Father. Jesus called his disciples. Now, let's, let's, you can turn there while I'm talking, Mark 3. But Jesus says, I'm going to call the disciples. And that's sort of an interesting thing because in that day, the custom was that a student would find a rabbi that they wanted to learn under. And they would, they would prepare themselves. They would go to the rabbi and they would say, can I be your student? 
That was the custom of the day. And Jesus said, no, that's not how I'm going to do it in my kingdom. I'm going to go select those people who I'm going to disciple because I see something in them that they don't see in themselves. How many of you have seen God has spoken something to you and you've never went and asked or taken that step of faith? Jesus said, I see something in all these men that I'm calling. I see stuff in these people and I'm not going to let them go without drawing out of them what God put in them when they were created. See, we have a church today we have a church today that's willing to allow people to sit in their lives, in their junk, and see the greatness in them and never draw it out of them. You know why I like to preach when you guys shout? Because you're drawing it from me. You're drawing it out of me. You're pulling on something. Yeah, and it's very hard when you don't because now I'm trying to revive you. And it's one of me and 150 of you. He's called us to see the greatness in others and to go pull them up and say, listen, I see something in you. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying you're going to be a pastor. I'm not saying anything because every time I speak, I'm wrong. So I'm just going to wait. And when the Lord shows me exactly what I'm supposed to do, I'll do it with you. And then whenever I go to the next step, I'll do what he says. I'll do what he says. But there's one thing I know is that a church that will see the greatness in others and not let them sit there is a church that God created. That's his heart. If you can walk into work and see the greatness in a, in a person in the next cubicle and not draw it out of them, you're dead. You're not feeling the energy. You're not being filled by the Spirit. You're missing the electricity that comes with the Father and with the Holy Spirit through Jesus. So we know that he is calling his disciples, which was completely backwards in society. Start in verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. Why? Because the Father said, right? The Father is speaking to you about the greatness in other people. The Father is calling you to call other people to their greatness. Then he, and, and they came to him. So there's a second step. You can see the greatness in somebody. You can call it out of them. It doesn't mean they're going to come. But it doesn't mean that you don't ask. See, we've been rejected so much in our lives that we just stop asking for things. And even we stop asking the Lord for things. Because we've been so dejected by the enemy saying that that's not going to happen that we miss what God has for us because we don't ask anymore. Then he appointed the 12. This is the best part. This is what worship was about this morning. That they might be with him. To be with, to be intimate, to be together, to be doing life together. My heart for this house in 2021 has little to do with what happens in this room on a Sunday morning, and it has more to do with what happens in your living room every day of the week. It has less to do with how awesome worship is, and we're going to get better than that. We're going to get better and better and better, and people are going to walk into this room and just lay down on the chairs or on the floor because the presence is so thick. But that's not the focus. If we focus on that, if we focus on just the encounter with the Lord, we're missing our mission which is to make disciples, and disciple-making happens in your living room. 
Disciple making happens at Starbucks. Disciple making happens everywhere. But it only happens if your heart changes. It only happens if you see that you're better together. Not the political pun. So I began to examine this week that Jesus flipped the script and said, okay, I'm not going to allow these people to come and ask me. I'm just going to go and pull them out of where they're at because I see greater for them than what they have. And so he went and he started calling the disciples from wherever they were and saying, come follow me. I'm going to change your destiny. And in that moment, he pulled on the greatness in each one of them And we are now sitting here today because they said yes. The most interesting fact about this is that he looked at the mission as not what he had to do. But he looked at who was going to do it. He didn't look at how am I going to change the world. We don't read anything. He was limited in time and space for 33 years. And when the Holy Spirit was released, all those people that had known him, that had been around him, that experienced him, and that said yes, were commissioned to do something great, as you are this morning. But it was less about how it was going to happen. We get so caught up in, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Now, do we have to talk about the how? Yeah. But the more important thing for you this morning and for the church as a whole is who? There are lots of who's in your life. There's lots of who's that are going to help you get the house. But if you don't begin to start thinking like Jesus and going out into the world and saying, no, there's potential in you. I see it. The Lord has shown me this is what you're supposed to do. Come with me. We have to have a grid for that. We have to be willing to say, I know that you're profitable at fishing. I know that that's your business. I really don't It doesn't bother me right now. God has something for you. Let's move on. I've got something I want to show you. You can be greater than even that business. And maybe what you find in Jesus will help you with that business. Maybe you'll pull in a harvest that you've never harvested before because we're taking time together in the presence of the Lord. And in the presence of the Lord, we see transformation. It's time for the church to rise up and say, I believe in you. And I know it's so hard because For most of your life, nobody's believed in you. You want to know why that dream board, some of those things, when you wrote them on the dream board, you thought, I I know Pastor Rob's asking me to write my dream down, but I just don't know how any of that's going to happen. Because for so many years, you've listened to the people around you not value who you are and not support you for what's in you. They only look at what they can see on the outside, and sometimes that's pretty messed up. It's time for the church to look past the facade and look at the heart of the person and look at the potential of the person and say, listen, we're going to do this walk together because I know that walking with the Lord alone is horrible. It can be so draining. And I want to do it with somebody. And with somebody, we're going to go farther than we can go on our own. We both have the Holy Spirit in us. We've both been baptized. We have the power. But we're going to walk arm in arm. When he set out the 70, what do you do? Go out two by two, right? For so long, I can hear the cry of your heart. I know God's called me to greatness, but how do I get there? I can tell you today, it's by joining someone else in the journey to go after God.
not in doing it alone. We say that we declare that we're on mission. If you say that, but you're not actually moving forward, then you're not on mission. You're on pause. We're supposed to ensure that every man, woman, and child hear, see, and encounter the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. That doesn't happen by just a Facebook post going out there and, oh yeah, it can happen that way. But I can tell you that it will happen directly when when you leave this place today and the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, these are three people. And you begin to make phone calls and you begin to go and meet with them and you begin to talk about what God is saying to you in this hour. You begin to say, listen, I know that you've only been a believer for about six months, but you know what? I know there are some successful things that I know about walking with the Lord for the last 35 years that you may not know. And if I can save you a few moments, let me just tell you these things. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time that you found someone that was, that was further ahead than you and said, listen, I'm not letting you go. We're going to coffee, I'm buying your coffee, and we're gonna, I've got to ask you some questions. When in, when in your schedule can I get, get on your schedule? When, when are you open? It may be a year from now, but I'm going to take you there, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. And if you give me that time, I will be better off because you know what? You're not just helping me. You're helping all these other people that God has called me to work with for the next 10 years. Now you may say, I, I, don't, I, I understand what you're saying and it all sounds great, but I stay in my house most of the time. I, I don't know. Well, he's given you a phone. He's given you a phone. He's given you email, if you know how to use it. He's given you technology that you can disciple people. It doesn't take much to click Zoom on and jump on and look face-to-face with somebody and say, I see greatness in you. I see greatness in you. I see greatness in you. I want to walk with you during this season. So I know that most people have a hard time understanding what that looks like, so we at the Summit have prepared something that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. And today I wanted to set up with you that you're not made to do this alone. You're not made, you were not created to do this alone. And it's great that we have the Holy Spirit, but there are people that are in your life that you are called to do this deal with. The scriptures tell us that he takes the solitary and puts them in the family. Now, I believe that there are lots of people on the earth that are believers that have decided what family they're going to be in, and they're in the wrong family. But God has called you, and he's placed you into a family. Why? Because your gift and your discipleship and everything that you know and everything that God has shown you and everything that you've been equipped to do is needed in this hour, in this place, so go get there. Get there. Every minute that you're not in the place that God has set you is a minute that that place is not effective in its ministry. So whether that means you're planted here or you have to go be planted somewhere else, do it. We cannot traverse the discipleship process without doing it together. I was reading an article that there's about 900 people every year that go to the top of Everest. And they train for a year to be able to go to Everest, to the peak. They take anywhere between five and six oxygen bottles 
Because once you get up above a certain level, you have no oxygen. And that should be enough to get you there. But I, as I was reading about Everest, which I don't really want to go do, I was just reading because I'm intrigued. As I was reading about it, I found that many people die on the mountain. Many people die. But the ones that are in a place where they could be dying often live, and they found one thing that categorizes them as living through what they should have died experiencing. Do you know what that is? Those people, in every instance, had made friends with people on other teams. I'll just let that sit for a minute. It means their team went up, and they were compromised. They weren't going to make it. They were going to die. But because they made friends with another, another hiking team, that other team loved them enough to not let them die. And yet we have denominational frustrations. And yet we have churches that won't sit down together. I'm telling you that on Thursday night in this house right here, we're going to have 11 churches, I believe, coming together. They're pastors, they're teams. We're going to minister together. We're going to seek the Lord together. And we're not allowing any nonsense to be in the midst. Because he's called us to do it together. Psalm 68.6 says, God sets the solitary in families. He brings those who are bound into prosperity. That's his call. That's his call for you. That's part of the mission that we do it together. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be laying out the vision of 2021. Can you believe we're already at the end of the year? Can you believe that we're almost to the final month of 2020? Thank the Lord. And we're, and, and we're ready to look at 2021 and say, this is where we're going as a church. This is where we're going as a family. This is where we're going. We're going to start seeing the greatness in other people, and we're not going to let them sit there. We're not going to let them sit at home being bored. We're going to give them something to do, and that something to do is to go after God. So we wanted to prepare this for you so that you could see visually, and you're going to have it in your hand, but you can see visually what we're talking about. So if you throw that slide up there of the mountain, there it is. Our vision is to know God. We've got a mission. The mission is that every man, woman, and child would see, hear, and experience the kingdom. Right? That's our, that's our mission. Our vision is to know God. How many people in your life need to know God a little more? How many of you need to know God a little more? Yes, 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 our hands should all be up. And you know what? We have a pathway to get there. And in 2021, it's going to be very easy for you to be able to sit down with someone and say, listen, I see greatness in you. This is where we're going to go. Did you know that to get a Sherpa guide for going up the mountain Everest, that it costs $5,000? To have somebody personally with you to go. Well, I'm sorry, it's probably worth fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. It's probably worth a lot more because that person's probably gonna make sure that my oxygen tanks are filled. That person's probably gonna make sure that whenever I stumble, I don't go off the other side. Well, this process that we are are engaging in at the summit is to help you know. And to help you walk with people through this discipleship process. So the first stage, which you probably can't read, is life in the scriptures. Every time I meet with people, I ask them, where are you at in your Bible reading? 
What have you read lately? What is God saying to you? Where are you hanging out in scripture? It can come a million different ways. But I get across the point, where are you at in the scriptures? Because that's the foundation. That's base camp. We need to be in the scriptures every day. Number two, Holy Spirit encounters. Participating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's not just coming in here and laying out on the floor and having a a Holy Spirit encounter in church. This is walking day by day in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to use you, speak through you, do everything that, that you couldn't do on your own, but through these gifts he allows you to do. Are you doing that? Are you not doing that? These are very simple questions. We're we're trying to make it so easy for you to make disciples. Number three, healthy relationships. I remember whenever I met Pastor Dennis and and he started to disciple me. I remember the first question that he always asked was about my relationships. How's your relationship with Jen? How's your relationship with your kids? And how's your relationship with your pastor? Because he wasn't my pastor. Why? It's essential. It's essential to knowing God, to getting close to God, is to have healthy relationships in your life. Because the ones that aren't healthy are the ones that are going to hold you back when God says it's time for you to go do this. Number four, influence in the world. What does that mean? Are you equipping yourself for evangelism and reaching a lost world? Do you have any influence? Each one of you has influence. Maybe it's just in your family. But each one of you has influence. Are you preparing yourself to allow that influence to be transformed by the Lord and to transform those situations? Number five, design for living. Are you growing in purpose in your identity every single day? Are you allowing the Lord to speak directly to you and not worry about him talking to other people? Just receive what he has to say and begin to go walk in it? Jesus received what the Father said and went straight to the wilderness. Receive what he says. And the last one is knowing God. The goal and purpose of every believer is to know him more every single day. Now this grid, we're going to have it on a card for you so that when you meet with people, whether they're from here or not, when you meet with people, you can ask these six questions. You can actually plot your part on the map. I often go out of my meetings, and you all love to know this, but I often go out of my meetings and I mark where people are on the mountain. Sometimes the date says June 6th and they're here, and sometimes it says September 12th and they're back down here. Is that a bad thing? No. No, no, no. Think how many times Jesus walked with the disciples and they failed. (laughs) And he said, listen, you're going to change the world. I've got a calling upon your life. You're going to do great things. I don't care how many times you've missed it. We've got something good we're going to do together. And greater things will you do after I'm gone. So you know what we do? We come back and we say, oh, Bible reading has slipped for a week. That's okay. What is your plan to make sure it doesn't slip next week? It takes time. It takes a love for the other person. But it's all he commanded us to do. He didn't say come in here and sing five songs and preach a sermon. He said go and make disciples of all nations. Ladies and gentlemen, 2021 is going to be a year filled with exciting things. I don't care what happens in the world. 
the church is going to explode because as I was saying, whenever I was listening to that pastor, that four-score pastor in a country that I'm not gonna name right now, and they experienced revival, millions and millions of people, no matter what the climate is, will come to know Jesus if we're willing to see the greatness in them and pull it out. The church is here to be God's agency of the kingdom upon the earth. It's about time we get to business. It's about time we all get to business. The church doesn't exist to exalt heaven. It's here to plant heaven on earth. It's here for the earth to realize that heaven is in control. And it only happens when we buddy up with somebody put our arm around them and say, I know life can seem horrible, but we're going to make it a little brighter today because we're together. And my light and your light is going to change somebody else's life today. So as we move forward, this grid in 2021 will be your source of, your, it'll be your map. It'll be your guide to your meetings. It'll be what you look at. It'll be what you judge yourself by. It'll be what you look at to say, man, I'm really missing it in the, in the healthy relationships this week. <laughs> you know what I said. And then you're going to be able to say, listen, I have made it to another stage. I actually repaired some relationships with my family. I, I, I listened to the Lord, and when he said move, I moved. And it took six months, but after moving here and moving there and moving here and moving there, there's healing in my family. And then we get to celebrate that together. So I'm here to tell you that over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into what does this mean scripturally? What does this mean spiritually for you? How is this tool going to help you to transform the relationships that you're in? How are you going to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit better? How are you going to experience all this? It's going to all be laid out for you. Are you going to pick it up and do something with it? Because he's called you to make disciples and he never said to stop. Would you stand with me this morning? Matthew 13, 33, he told them another parable. And he said, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. God has called us to be yeast in this region. It's time that we lay aside the religious practices and we go after the kingdom call upon each of our lives to make disciples, no matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it is, no matter how, how easy it is, no matter how much it costs, he's called us to make disciples. Father, today, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for everything that you have provided to us. Lord, as we stand here today, we say thank you. But Lord, we also say that we are empowered and ready to take on the challenge that you've commissioned over 2,000 years ago, that we would make disciples, that we would be effective kingdom builders in our region and wherever you may take us, that we never look at the religious activities that we do as rote things, but that we look at the things that you've called us to do through the eyes of your heart that we may see the world around us with love, 
that, may we, that we may encounter them with love, that we may see the greatness inside of them and pull it out. And that the power of your Holy Spirit would run through all those relationships and begin to build a web and a net that we may catch the harvest of the season. That we may catch the harvest of 2021. That in the craziness of this world, you are drawing men unto yourself. Father, today we surrender to you all that we are so that we can impact the world with all that you are. Teach us, mold us, make us, guide us. And Father, today as we set off on this journey to knowing you better, Lord, I ask that throughout each week that you would bring forth truth, scriptures and practical applications, that each person that is a part of this family would be equipped to go and disciple nations. We ask that your Holy Spirit would just flood this place, that our worship, that our, that our words that are spoken would just be a safe place for anyone who needs you. Lord, help us grow in understanding who you are and how to hear your voice. And Father, today we surrender to hearing what you say about us, not what others say, so that we may be equipped to be world changers in your kingdom. Father, we give you this week. Lord, I pray right now for our time together on Thursday night. Father, I pray that every pastor, every team member that comes in this place would encounter your Holy Spirit. I pray that as they enter this place, that they would release all the stress and cares of this world, all the stress and cares of ministry, all the stress and worry about what life looks like in 2021, that it would be a time, a special time of encounter on this campus. May they be fed naturally. May they be fed spiritually. And Lord, may we come together in unity and peace. Father, we pray over all the ministries, the, the tough bags, the, the uh, food pantry, all the things that our family is engaged in around this city, around this region. And Father, we just pray that those ministries would excel, exceed, explode, just serve better than they've ever served and take care of our community. But Lord, may they do it with the power of the Holy Spirit that opens people up to understanding who you are. Lord, right now I ask that you would give each person a list of names that you're calling them to minister to. You're calling them to walk alongside on this journey to know you. Some ahead of them, some behind them. Lord, may this ignite an awakening in our world. We give this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.